This morning reading taken from Psalm 80 on page 593, 593. It's rather long, just uh, bear with us. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit in the throne between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will you anger smolder against the prayer of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Your transplanted wine from Egypt, you drove out the nation and planted. You cleared the ground for it, and it took roots and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedar with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea, its shoot as far as the river. Why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick up its grapes? Bore from the forest ravages, and insects from the field feed on it. Return to us, God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Was our vine, the root of your right hand has planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Your vine is cut down, it is burned with fire. At, you, at your rebuke, your people perish. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we thank you for your word. Uh, We thank you for this psalm. We pray that you would indeed revive us through it, that we may call on your name now and always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the quiet moments before God, I wonder if the the following thoughts have ever passed your mind. God, what are you doing? We know you are strong and mighty and majestic. You rule over everything. You hold the world in your hand. 
But how long are you going to leave us like this? We're begging you for some growth, for strength, for some upside. You know how it is. Numbers are stagnant. Morale is flagging. We've had this unity. The money is up and down. We're a joke. The world laughs at us and says, oh, look at those quaint Christians, they say. Every mistake, every scandal, real or imagined, is posted or raked over. Is it that you're angry with us, Lord? When are you going to turn us around? Because don't forget, this whole thing was your idea. You planted the vine in the first place. You cleared the ground. You built the wall. You made it flourish. But now look at us. The pandemic has left us fearful and anxious. It's as if we've been eaten alive. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. We need restoration, don't we? We need to be restored. Um, It's as if um, Psalm 80 um, sounds very real, doesn't it, to us uh, when we hear it like that. It's not hard today to find these sorts of words on our hearts and on our lips. Um, Our churches sometimes falter or or stumble. Um, We see growth as slow or that there's been highs and there's been some great lows. And we know we need restoration. We need restoration. I, I think we need restoration. I need restoration. I think we all do. And in fact... The truth is, we always need restoration, don't we? If we think about it, not just when things are difficult, each day we need God to revive us, to restore us. That's why um, this is part of our vision here at St. John's, is to be revived, to be refreshed in our relationship with the, the Lord Jesus. So that's why we're looking at this psalm today. You might like to have it open, Psalm 80. It's on page 593. I'm particularly going to hone in on the repeated refrain that's there in verse 3, 7, and 19. Restore us, O God, verse 3. Restore us, God Almighty, verse 7. And restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us that we may be saved. We're going to look at it into three headings. The first is the the request for restoration. The second is the resource of restoration. And then we'll look at the result of restoration. Three R's. Who would have thought of that, you know? (laughs) The request of restoration. Restore us. The refrain... It's a plea, isn't it? It's it's a prayer, but it's a plea, a heartfelt plea for God to act, to do something. Uh, And it should be, in a sense, on all our hearts and and our lips. We we need this. I need this. We need this request. 
to be restored. Um, But let's back up for a moment and consider why this psalm um, was written. It's a psalm of Asaph, you can see that in the heading, and it was often, he was often connected with the northern kingdom. You may remember uh, back in Solomon's time that Israel was, uh, um, was split into a northern kingdom and a southern um, kingdom. Uh, and um, although we can't be exactly sure, it's likely that this psalm is reflecting on the disaster that happened to the northern kingdom as it was destroyed by the invading Assyrians from the north. And I suppose as we hear that, we often turn to these kind of psalms during times of disaster, don't we? When things are going really badly wrong. And, and, and that's good to a point. Um, in those moments, though, we, we say things like, Oh Lord, I really need you now. Or we say things like, Lord, I need you more than ever. But if you think of it, isn't, isn't it the truth that we've always needed God more than ever? There's never a time when we don't need him more and more. So not just in the, the kind of tight corner, not just in the moments of great disaster, but well, each day and every day, We should be coming before the Lord, asking him to restore us. Restore us, O Lord. Restore me. Restore my family. Restore the church. Restore our lives. Restore everything, Lord. Make it new. Renew it, please. And so this really is the cry of the renewed heart here, isn't it? The the believer that God would continue to do the work that he has already begun in us. Just as Paul says in Philippians 1.3, that he who began a good work... in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So this is the request. It's a cry of restoration. And it comes from a people who are God's flock and God's vine. Did you notice that as you were reading? God's flock and God's vine. The request of God's flock there is in verse 1. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. It's a beautiful picture, it's a tender picture of God taking care of the sheep because we know that sheep are creatures that are often very needy and do strange things, just like us, aren't they? They do, they get easily spooked, easily um, uh, distracted, Uh, they need feeding, they need protecting, they need leading. And so we cry out, verse 2, awaken your might, come and save us. But also, Uh, It's a request of God's vine, and you see that in verses 8 to 16. It's a picture of God as the vine dresser. A vine dresser is somebody who cultivates the vine, who who, uh, looks after it, cultivates it, nurtures it. Um, And it's a beautiful picture of God's vineyard, that we're his vineyard, Um, for, and for it to grow and to bear fruit, of whether it's an oil or a va- or wine, it needs care, it needs help. It needs um, God. And so we pray to God, the great planter, that he would produce fruit in us to repair the broken down walls, to give protection. So it's a plea that we cry out, restore. Restore us. Verse 14, restore to us God Almighty, watch over this vine. Is it any wonder that Jesus picks up the idea of the vine in John 15 when he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. 
You see, it's in him, in our relationship with Jesus, um, that we can bear fruit. And without him, of course, we can do nothing, really. And we need this request constantly on our lips. We need it each day, every day. And sometimes I think, uh, we think, oh, but I don't think that's possible for me to kind of live like that in that way each day, each moment. Um, but we do. We need the Spirit of God and the Spirit of prayer to be talking to him, dialoguing with him each day, each moment. And I think, and I know I've got been in this mentality, where sometimes got into a mentality that I can only go to God with kind of big requests. You kind of the requests of this disaster or this big thing that I'm facing. But I think it's meant to be, isn't it? It's meant to be every day, going to him in each moment, um, thinking and, and praying. Uh, it's not as if God's got a short attention span, that he can't cope with, with our, our big and our small prayers. The, um, the things, he's not sitting there thinking, it's just too trivial for me to worry about. That's not what God's like at all. He wants to hear from us. And I know that to my own shame, I've often fallen foul of this. I often think, oh, God's not worried about Mrs. So-and-so's cat again. (laughs) You know? (laughs) And I think, you know, and I fall into that mistake. Um, You know, God does care about the small things. And each day, in each moment... We should be going to him, asking him to restore us and to revive us. Um, Of course, we're not going to be praying for cats in public prayer. And I suppose sometimes we we sometimes have learnt to to think that prayers are only about the big things that we're praying for at the front. And of course, that's right that we pray for those things. But in the everyday, in the small things, we should have that heart of asking the Lord to restore us in each moment, not just when the day of disaster comes, but all day, when I'm off to work, when I'm meeting someone, when I'm doing the school run, when I'm visiting a friend, whatever it might be. So there's this request. It's not just about the big day, the big moments of disaster. It's about each day, every day, asking God to restore us. But what is the resource, secondly, of restoration? And you see it in the second part, if you look at it there, of the refrain. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us. But what does it mean? It sounds, it's a beautiful phrase, but what does it mean? It reminds us, actually, of another prayer in the Bible known as the Aaronic Blessing, which you can find in Numbers chapter 6, uh, and it says, the, and you might know this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. It's a prayer of asking for God's grace, isn't it? Of his kindness, of his favour to rest on us. And in effect, it's for his presence to be with us. And that sense of God's uh, shining and he, he is there in verse 1 as well, where it says, Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who sit and throw between the cherubim, shine forth. To pray that God will shine forth. 
So this is the reference to the glory of God that dwelled in the temple, God's presence with his people. Uh, And we know, don't we, what it's like to have somebody's face shine towards us. We know a bit about that, don't we? But we also know what it's like for somebody not to have their face or to turn their face away from us. We know what that feels like as well. It, It is a sign of someone's love, isn't it? And someone's approval, And so to have the Lord's face shine on us is to know his presence and to know his favour and his blessing and his grace towards us, to know he truly is with us and he loves us and he's for us. What does it mean for us today uh, as people uh, who follow Jesus? Well, it means that we can know his presence and his favour in in an even far greater sense, in a far better sense sense in a far more powerful way to have the lord's face shine on us is to know his presence and favor to know that he's truly with us you see jesus promised in john 14 he's promised in john 14 23 my father will love them followers of jesus and we Jesus said, God the Father and the Son, Jesus, will come to them and make our home with them. And so Jesus and the Father making their home with us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we have now. You see, we don't just have God with us in a kind of general sense. In a sense that he's over there. We have God in us as believers internally by the power of the Spirit. And so we pray, restore us, Lord God Almighty. Let your face shine on us. We mean that then as Christians, be with us by the power of the Spirit and make it come to reality in our lives, in our homes, in our families, with our friends. Make it real to us in your word as we engage with your word. This is the resource of, the, of restoration given to us. And so we pray, let your face shine on us. In other words, bring life to your people. Invigorate us, revive us, equip us, ready us to serve and to live for you, to walk with you, to witness to you. That's what the Spirit does. And he, that takes the chief resource, the word of God, which he inspired as we read it, as we study it, as we meditate on it, we come to it praying, let your light shine. Because that's what we want. We want to see Jesus, isn't it? Let me not be distracted. Let me gaze upon you. Maybe if I illustrate it a little bit like this, um, and I'm sure we've all done this, take for a moment how you, how you gaze and you look into a mirror um, most of us have mirrors. And now the way you look into a mirror is really interesting, isn't it? Um, uh, what, what you're looking at depends on all sorts of things. We, we might be looking for dandruff. We might be looking for, for grey hair or, or, or lines or whatever it might be. But think for a moment if you were to, to gaze at the person next to you in that way. Um, I think they might look away. Or, you, you, or you, at least you probably shouldn't do that with somebody, should you? Look that intently at them. 
uh, unless you know them very, very well. You see, the thing is, when we look into a mirror, what we're doing is we're pouring over every detail, aren't we? Everything that we see, uh, every aspect. And, and so in a sense, when we, when, when, we pour, when we look into the face of Jesus, uh, and we gaze at Jesus Christ, to look at his glory, we're looking at it like that. We're to pour over every detail and aspect of his face as he turns his face towards us. To look at his, his glory, to look at his beauty, his holiness. That is actually how we get restored. Jesus doesn't say that you get restored by kind of trying to be good and be better by pulling your socks up, uh, having another go. No, the heart of how you get restored and be restored is to pour over the face of Christ. That is how, it's, how it is. And he has to turn his face towards us, doesn't he, in order that to happen, so that we might gaze at his glory. Make your face shine on us. And the way that God does that is through his spirit, as he takes the spirit and, and reveals him to us in the word of God. He illuminates the word of God, makes it come to life for us so that we can see Jesus more clearly. Otherwise, it just remains words on the page. So the other thing is, have you noticed the the corporate nature of this psalm as well? How it's all about hear us, revive us, restore us, us, us all the time. And of course, our quiet times, our times alone with God, with his word, are great But there is something very important about being revived that is about us together as a a church. And one of the major reasons we've experienced, I think, so much trauma over these last two years is because there's been no us. And we need an us. We need to do it together through fellowship, through those wonderful things that we've just been hearing about, the the cycle and the walk and, and other things. Because I don't think we realise how deeply impacted we've been by that sense of not having an us. We need the resources of restoration, God's grace, to let his, le- let his face shine on us. Um, and what are the results of that restoration? Well, you see that in the last part of the refrain, that we might be saved. Uh, We're saved by him, for him, because he loves us. We see his love, don't we? We see his salvation love most clearly through Jesus. He sent his gift of his son, his son, to do for us what we could not do, to live the life that we could not live, and to die the death that we should have died in order that we might be saved. Where is Jesus in the psalm? Well, he's in the psalm all over the place, but particularly in verse 17. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you raised up for yourself. The writer doesn't know about the fulfillment of this when he's writing this, but this is Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is at the right hand of God, the Father. What does it mean to be at the right hand? Well, it means to be in victory, doesn't it? It means to have triumphed. And Jesus came, didn't he, to do that, to bring that. 
He had to come and he had to die for our sins and he was raised and he defeated death and he secured a victory of a sin and death. Hallelujah. God's salvation and, and he sat down at the right hand of God on high and our great high priest and he has the victory. It is finished. But there's another sense where he's, he's not just doing nothing when it says, in a sense, when he's finished. He's, he, he's doing loads for us because he's interceding for us. It's great that we have intercessions. It's great that we have an intercessors group in this church. But the intercessor I want is Jesus Christ. He's interceding for you and for me to revive us and to restore us. That's the kind of intercessor I want. We need him more than anything. He prays for you. He's praying for you at the Father's right hand. He's praying for your restoration. He's praying for your revival. He's praying that you have been saved. He's praying that you are being saved. And he's praying that you will be saved. Verse 18, then we will not turn away from you. Revive us and we'll call on your name. You know, we may fall many times in this life. We may keep falling and we may fall again in all sorts of different ways. But we can know that Jesus has secured us. He has the victory and he has saved us. And he will save us and he'll keep on saving us. It's rather like what Spurgeon used to say. He used to say, we may fall many times on the ship of life, but we will never fall overboard. It's quite a nice saying, really, isn't it? We may fall many, many times on the ship of life, but we'll never fall overboard a lifelong process of salvation. We don't just get saved at a given point in time and get on with stuff ourselves. No, God is saving us and continues to save us so that we grow in him, for him. It's all by his grace, by his gift. And so as we close, we come back to this refrain. Restore us, O God. Restore us, God Almighty. And then verse 19, restore us, Lord God Almighty. This is as if it's getting magnified each time. It's getting bigger and bigger to make our minds bigger, to see God as bigger and bigger and more wonderful. And And it ends with the Lord God Almighty, the Lord, giving the personal name of God, Yahweh. I am who I am. And each time magnifying who God is and into a personal sense of God. The psalm refers to God as their shepherd and as their vine dresser and we're introduced to the one at the right hand, the son of man who is King Jesus. And so we pray, restore us Lord God Almighty, restore us Lord Jesus, restore us in the good shepherd, restore us in the true vine. Let your Face shine on us. We can do nothing without him. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you now um, asking that you would, uh, by your grace, restore us. That you'd make your face to shine upon us. That you would save us. We thank you for the Lord Jesus 
May we gaze into his face as he, his face shines on us. That we may be saved each day and forever. Amen.